Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here for a very special episode. Uh, we're very pleased and honored to be joined by Robert Pondicio, a senior fellow at the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, and uh, uh, a gentleman who's not just an educational policy and reform uh, journalist, he's also uh, a former and current teacher uh, in uh, New York City, beginning originally in the South Bronx and now is still teaching uh, one day a week uh, at a charter school in Harlem. Uh, he's also, uh, you know, had 20 years of journalism experience, uh, including senior positions at Time and Business Week. And he just wrote uh, a really fascinating book uh, called How the Other Half Learns, uh, Robert Pondicio. Uh, am I getting your name right? It is Pondicio, yes. Excellent, excellent. And uh, thank you for joining. My pleasure. Thanks for your interest. Yeah, no, no doubt. And um, first off, uh, maybe just to, uh, to let folks know in, in, uh, in your own words, uh, what is how the other, first off, I, uh, second off, so first off, I love the title. Uh, so I'd be curious how you landed on, uh, on that title. I have some questions sort of about that whole area. But um, can you talk to folks about uh, how you came about writing this book? Because it, it sounds like a really fascinating uh, journalistic approach uh, as well, like the idea of being as embedded as you were. So, yeah. so I'd love, yeah. Sure. Um, there's in New York City, which is where I am, uh, there's a collection of a network of, of a very controversial charter school called Success Academy. Mm -hmm. uh, there's about 40 some odd Success Academy schools. They've been around for a little bit over a decade, about 12 or 13 years. And they're run by a former city councilman, um, and this very kind of electric figure named Eva Moskowitz, who's very mm -hmm. controversial. Mm -hmm. uh, She's politically controversial. She's controversial within the world of education. Um, these schools have gotten a ton of attention over the years. Um, but I'm a weird guy in education policy because I'm a once and current teacher. Uh, when we start to talk about you know, charter schools and data and testing and, and, and these structures around the outside of education, I, I'm the guy who raises a hand and says, okay, can we talk about what the kids are doing all day? because mm -hmm. that matters too, about curriculum, instruction, et cetera. That's mostly what I write about. Right. Um, so I felt that for all of the attention that these schools had gotten, nobody had answered that question. What do the kids do all day? Yep. So, so my pitch to, to Moskowitz and to Success Academy was pretty much exactly that. Um, look, I'm a teacher. I understand these issues. Um, I understand curriculum, instruction, school culture, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about those other things, but I want to spend time really getting to know what, what, and learning what kids do all day. Because these schools, I guess we should mention, they get results that are not just a little bit better than uh, neighborhood schools and competing charters. They get results that are a lot better, I mean, yep. geometrically better, even than the gifted and talented programs in New York City and, and how suburban kids do in places like Jericho and Scarsdale. Mm -hmm. So something's going on. Yep. Uh, you know, so, so to understand what that was, I think really required um, doing what I just did, uh, get, getting in there day after day after day, watching instruction, watching teachers, watching kids and trying to put it all together. Yeah. And uh, and that was for for a full school year, right? Like yeah, you were you right. were embedded. And, and uh, interesting, I, I didn't know until we were just getting started that you're still teaching uh, regularly. So there, there's probably a level of understanding and empathy and ability to connect and fit into the culture of the school. I hope that, so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, what was that? Uh, what was it like just beginning to 
on board into this yeah. experience? It's a great question because, um, the, and the reason, just a little bit of a backstory. So the school that I spent most of my time in uh, was a school called Success Academy Bronx One. Mm -hmm. It's literally across the street from where I was a student teacher at PS18 mm -hmm. uh, some years ago. And in the same neighborhood as uh, the school where I taught fifth grade for five years, PS277. Yep. And these schools simply could not be more different, but they were serving the same community. So, mm -hmm. so that, that, that gave me an instant uh, compare and contrast. Uh, it, it's very, very hard to, to spend even a small amount of time uh, in a Success Academy school and not be struck immediately by the difference in tone, in culture, in, in expectations. Um, even early in the book, I describe a scene where you know, they're, they're, they're teaching the new teachers how to walk kids through the hallway. Mm -hmm. I mean, that level of detail. Mm -hmm. Nobody, when I was a student teacher across the street, uh, thought that I would need any uh, any instruction, let alone practicing right. how to walk kids through the hallway. Sure. Um, but but it, it says something about the level of specificity and this, you know, the kind of sweat the small stuff orientation that they have. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, you don't have to love Success Academy and these so-called no excuses charter schools, um, but boy, would I have loved to have been trained as a teacher mm -hmm. uh, with that level of detail and specificity. Yeah, and... Um... And there's, you know, discipline, rigor, um, you know, tough love, like all those concepts are discussed in sort of a, a more abstract way. Sure. But what I found really interesting about your book and your approach is that that then translates into genuine stories of yeah. children and families who are seeing both uh, the, the upside of being instilled with some sense yep. of, of discipline and hard work and commitment, but also um, it's tough when folks are bounced. Like uh, when, yeah. uh, you know, you, there's the story of uh, King Anthony uh, yeah. getting, uh, you know, a, a kid who really through no fault of his own gets, gets you know, th there's, there's high expectations of parents. There's a lot of things that are beyond the, ch the child's, um, control that may yeah. determine whether they're in or out I and uh, right. and uh, i'd love to hear like maybe just turn some of those abstract concepts into some of the narratives that you engage with because it does sure. it does sound like it was a pretty profound experience it's, i mean one of the things um to, to put it i mean thank you for that that, that generous lead-in um one of the things that i think is important to understand um about a place like success academy is that it really is not for everybody mm -hmm. um, and 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 then let's unpack what that means um, you know th i think there's this idea at loose in in education broadly and certainly in in charter school world uh, that you must serve all children uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know that that's realistic and and as i think i say in the book if that's where, if that's where the, the the bar is set let's just acknowledge there's no such thing as a good school mm -hmm. and never will be uh, mm -hmm. even the most affluent school districts uh, send kids uh, in so-called out-of-district placements uh, mm -hmm. who are having I issues. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, the, the news in the book, honestly, is, is that uh, this has been hiding in plain sight for years, but there is a certain and no small amount of self-selection that goes on among parents. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a random selection of, of, of students. Um, there's a very exacting culture and parents uh, through reasons uh, or through, through mechanisms that I don't need to bore you with, um, just vote with their feet, so to speak, over and over and over again uh, to say, yes, this is what we want. Yes, we want this kind of instruction. Yes, we want this kind of discipline, this culture, etc. 
cetera. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't it doesn't work for 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 everybody, and I'm not sure that it's re- reasonable to expect that it should uh, mm-hmm. work for everybody. Uh, if you recreate the conditions of the public school district, so to speak, you're going to recreate the, the conditions or the results of the, 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 the public school district. That's, that seems obvious to me, but it's something we're not supposed to say. Right. Uh, so so, so it, it, it doesn't make sense to pretend that the parents and families who show up at a success academy are exactly the same ones as at, in my old school a few mm-hmm. blocks away. Right. Um, but that's not to say uh, that that's the secret. In other words, uh, you're starting with a group of families who have voted with your feet, but then there's the fact of those results that, again, are outperforming gifted and talented programs where those families are literally cherry-picked and hand-picked. Right. They're doing the things that we accuse Success Academy of doing, and they're not getting as, as good a result. Mm-hmm. So that's, that should say to us, look, there is something else going on here, mm-hmm. and, and we need to understand what that is and ask okay, what if it can translate to K-12 at large? What if it won't? Right. Um, and, and, the, and the part that won't is, is this culture. I mean, it's, it's, yes, it works very, very well for families who choose it, mm-hmm. uh, but you can't impose it on families who don't want it. Yeah, and, and there's, there is some willingness to reject families that can't make the commitment or can't live up to the expectations. And that, that kind of... I think that opens up the conversation about, uh, you know, the, the tough love, you know, like the, the, yeah. the, the children and the families who can't commit, like I saw in there, it's like, you know, uh, children, parents of second graders are expected to read two books, two books a night to their kids six nights a week. And uh, not to mention the, you know, keeping up with the dress code, you know, making sure that the socks are the right color. So like, there's a lot of very, uh, meticulous demands placed on families and you know honestly it sounds like some rigor around if you don't meet our standards we're gonna we're gonna use that slot for someone else and 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 that was the part that i thought was most um i guess concerning because like i I guess there's two there's two sides to the coin one is we know it works it's providing avenues for opportunities for like thousands of families you know, you, I think you do, you do seem to capture that beautifully, but then the challenge is that there's only so much room and what do we do for those kids who, yeah. through no fault of their own, can't meet the demands of a school I, like Yeah, like, I, think th- I think that's a real issue. This is, this is not quite the question that you're asking, but I mean, let me, let me uh, try this out on you. I mean, one of the sure. things that we say in, in charter school world, which I think is just flat misleading, um, is that look? There's there's no impact on neighborhood schools when the most engaged and and uh, ambitious families leave and go mm-hmm. to a success academy or another charter school. Yep. You know, look, I've I've read the research, I've seen the data, I get it. Um, you know, a compelling social science case can be made and has been made that this creates uh, good conditions. You know, the, the so-called rising tide that that lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. And then I start to think back on my teaching experience, and I, and I think about the four or five kids that I had in any given class who were with me, so to speak. You know, they were engaged. They would show up in their school uniform whether or not they had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say, now, what would my classroom feel like? What would the school feel like if suddenly those kids were not there anymore and they were at a, you know, a success academy, a kid yep. achieving first? Yep. You're really telling me that that's going to improve my school? Mm-hmm. Well, that just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Now that's, but let me very quickly add, that's not an excuse not to let those kids go. Right. Uh, you know, in other words, because, and this is why the book is called How the Other Half Learns, because we have very different 
not just standards, but frames, frankly, for, for the education and the expectations for affluent Americans and, and low-income kids of color. Mm-hmm. Um, look, about, you know, my daughter went to a very nice private school in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Nobody said to me, well, you're robbing the system of the resource that is your child. Right. Um, so why do we think it's okay to say that to low-income families of color? Hey, you mm. can't go to that charter school because you're making it worse for the other kids. Right. So it's a very different conversation. And I, I'm not here to, to, to adjudicate which, which is right and which is wrong. Sure. Um, but I hope we acknowledge that we hold different families to very different standards and we have very different discussions about what those families deserve mm-hmm. uh, based on everything from their neighborhood, their zip code, their income to their skin color. Let's right, right, right. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's why I do. I I very much appreciate you calling attention to this and doing so in a way that seems uh, authentic to uh, to the success of the Success Academy, but also um, being somewhat transparent about some of the challenges that are introduced, like the the notion of the the lifeboat theory of uh, of education, uh, of, of sort of charter schools where like our public schools are failing is the is the the conception here and that only so many kids can fit into the lifeboats that are charter schools and these other sort of avenues to opportunity um, can you respond a little bit to that just based on sure. your experience well i think what what's you know i i wrote a piece for a website called the 74 which is an education news website and, and, and I, I put a title on it that at first was a joke and then I kind of realized, no, I sort of mean this. Uh, the, the, the piece was called, here's my new book, I hope you hate it. <laughs> and, and, and what I meant by that is, and I'm gonna you know, oversimplify a little bit here, but I think broadly speaking for the last 20 years, there've been two kind of meta narratives around all this. And we alluded to them before. There, there's the narrative that says, um, you know, that charter schools can do this for every child, um, you know, that it's, it's about, the rules, the structure, union teachers, non-union teachers, all these things. Um, and then there's the other narrative that says, uh, look, um, you know, we need to support uh, public schools. Um, uh, and the difference is the home circumstance. It's, hmm. you know, you show me a kid who's got uh, two parents in a stable home and I'll show you a good education result. And if you want to fix schools, fix poverty first, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, those are two simple narratives. They're two simplistic narratives. And they're not really that true. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, um, it, it just won't do uh, to, to say, um, look, we, you know, we can't fix schools, we got to fix poverty, nor will it do to say uh, that a good school can overcome every single deficit yep. uh, that, that a child may bring to, to, to school. So in, in between these kind of two dueling narratives, there's this broad middle ground uh, where real teaching and learning happens. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where dedicated teachers and, and a good school culture really can make a difference, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe not for every kid. Right. Uh, we, we, we deal in absolutes in, in our advocacy around this. Yep, uh, yep. And, and we refuse to admit of any gray areas. This book is all about the gray area, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hope if nothing else, it forces us, because again, back to Success Academy, they are deeply polarizing places. So when I wrote that, here's my new book, I hope you'll hate it, I'm guessing that nine out of 10 people listening to, to this, this, this podcast are in one camp or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, either these schools are the greatest things since sliced bread and raisins and they should all be, uh, every school should be this, or all you're doing is creaming and cherry picking and you're not adding any value whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So my hope is that t- people will read this book and say, okay, one or two things. I still don't like these schools, 
but I like that they're doing these things or, um, or boy, I love these schools, but these kind of things that they're doing make me uncomfortable. Right. Um, you know, th- there's just not a simplistic uh, narrative that attaches to, to, to either side. So, you know, am I, am I trying to make people a little bit uncomfortable? Yeah, you betcha I am. Yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, I'm someone who's comfortable uh, walking in discomfort. I think that's true uh, among many of our listeners. Like a lot of these complicated issues, when you dig in, uh, there aren't easy answers. Uh, it reminds me of uh, the work of uh, Todd Rose up at the Harvard uh, Graduate School of Ed, The End of Average. Um, basically saying that we're all individuals and to think that one size fits can fit all is actually incorrect. Uh, And what I think that was interesting about your book is that the Success Academy seems to have identified a pathway to success that they understand very well and they can open up opportunities to a subset of the full population uh, I think that raises some interesting questions because like, you know, the other half of the other half yeah. is is not really going to be able to make it into Success Academy. So what other experiments, what other approaches are out there that may be able to help yeah. those folks, you know, whether they have special needs, whether they are, you know, can can you talk about? But, but, uh, yes, but that's a, let's be clear, that's a very, very different conversation than the one we typically have about education, which uh, tends to be, I would argue a, a search for the true and only answer, and then everything everything that's not that needs to justify itself. Right. Look, I, I, I point this out all the time. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here in in Midtown Manhattan. Not far from here, are some of the most elite and expensive private schools in the nation, maybe the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the parents who uh, line up eagerly uh, to pay forty, fifty thousand dollars a year for these schools. Uh, can can you know, parse the differences in culture and curriculum uh, between these schools down to like grain of sand level um, specificity. Mm-hmm. This one's a Montessori school. This one's project based learning. This one's you know college prep. This one's all girls. This one's mm-hmm. all boys. Mm-hmm. On and on and on. And they and they fetishize the different type of family that fits in each of these types of schools. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not have those kind of conversations for low-income people of, of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it's charter non-charter, for example. Uh, wouldn't it be lovely if we could get to the point where the conversations that we were having, because let, let's, be, let's be candid, um, you know, those families ha- come in just as many varieties and interests as, as, as the Upper East Side families I just described. Yep. Do they not as well, or do we not want them to have those same level of conversations, that same level of engagement, mm-hmm. and choose the Montessori school, the, the project-based learning school, as opposed to, oh, here's my zip code, I go to that school. Mm-hmm. Or here's my zip code, but there's this thing called the charter school and I'm gonna go there because I hear it's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we need to be really clear-eyed about the, the very different conversations that different Americans have about their schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I liked, again, getting back to the more um, experiential journalist kind of take on this, like, actually getting to know the families and the unique circumstances that uh, both drive success and then also create challenges uh, to success in in a success academy is one of the things that I thought was uh, probably most uh, personally relevant to me. Um, Are there any examples uh, that you think sort of help clarify um, both the upside of the Success Academy and then maybe some of the challenges of them based on either yeah. teachers or families or students you encountered? Yeah, I appreciate the question. It's, it's I mean, let's, let's a couple of things uh, that invites me to bring up. One, 
Um, what I think is, uh, what is interesting about Success Academy, um, th there may not be a lot of lessons that transfer from you know, this, this very rarefied form of charter schooling to K-12 at large. Mm -hmm. uh, but here's one, uh, they, they, they codify the job of the teacher in a very, very different way than most other schools. Um, I know as a new teacher, I spent a bewildering amount of time online looking for lesson plans and materials because I was told, oh, Mr. Pandisio, you're the best person to know what every child needs, which struck me as unhelpful, to be, mm -hmm. to be really honest. Uh, at Success Academy, they spend none of their time uh, inventing lesson plans from, from scratch. They, they instead, lesson planning at Success Academy is what they call intellectual preparation. Here's the lesson plan. Now you're going to spend your prep time practicing it, studying student work, anticipating patterns of error, et cetera. So in other words, it's all about lesson delivery mm -hmm. and diagnostic work, as opposed to spending 20, 30 hours a week on Google and Pinterest, you know, and thinking, what am I going to teach tomorrow? And right. let's be really clear. That's what most American teachers are doing. There's mm -hmm. lots of data that shows, uh, you know, how much time is spent on lesson, on, on simply looking for material. So I, I think this enables uh, even very young and inexperienced teachers at Success Academy to get very good results very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I hope that uh, we, we spend some time thinking about that and whether or not that's applicable to, to, to K-12 uh, at large. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing that I think is helpful to think about is, and look, I'm gonna be brutally frank about this. I think we, we condescend to low-income people of color when it comes to the conversations that we have about their schools. We assume that either, oh, if you're poor, you must not be capable. Therefore, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna ask as a school, ask of any, anything of you in terms of contributing to your child's education. Or, or we view uh, urban communities like the South Bronx through a lens of dysfunction. And then we assume um, that every child who comes to us is, is somehow you know, traumatized or damaged or whatnot. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. so, you know, again, you may love what Eva Moskowitz does, you may hate it, but give her credit for not uh, falling into either of those uh, um, ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, she expects a lot of parents. Uh, that's key to their, their model. She does, she does not have low expectations uh, of them whatsoever. I, I sometimes ruefully joke that, you know, we, we didn't get rid of the low, ex the soft bigotry of low expectations uh, in this country. We just apply it to parents now instead, right. of, instead, instead of children. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, you know, say what you will about, about Eva Moskowitz and Success Academy, they, they flatly reject that. And I think that's one of the ways, or one of the, 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 the real lessons that we can learn um, you know, not to just to kind of, you know, uh, speak the language of parent empowerment, but really act on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I know we're tight on time. I'd love to continue the conversation. Uh, but um, it does, uh, to me, it does speak to uh, that other part of the conversation, though, too. Like, how can we extract from the success of the Success Academy to begin to address problems in our public schools or begin to uh, address uh challenges that maybe children who have a single parent or have no parent is there are, are there any takeaways that, that yeah, you could share I, 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 i'm not sure it's a takeaway or maybe not a satisfying takeaway but i i think we need to stop stop comparing these two mm -hmm. uh, you know in other words so much of the last 20 years has been to kind of figure out well which one's better right my point is is it's not about which one's better. They're different. Mm -hmm. uh, they serve different families at different points of, of uh, you know, we always say meet the children where they are as teachers. Well, meet the families where they are too. Yep, yep. Not every family has the same need and we should be okay with that. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have to pretend that what helps one 
uh, doesn't harm the other. Uh, if, you know, we, we don't have the right, I think, to say to, uh, you know, an ambitious family of, of color in a place like the South Bronx, I'm sorry, you can't have that high expectation school. You've got to go to the neighborhood school. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the neighborhood school shouldn't pretend that they're going to get as, uh, do as much for that, uh, that, that kid as they would if they were in an, uh, a, a different environment. Um, yeah, yeah. To, to put a bow on this, I think we will have made progress as a nation uh, when the, 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 the number and flavors of schools for low-income Americans are as robust and, and different as those that, uh, that, that affluent Americans currently enjoy. Yeah, maybe uh, empowering more, uh, more similar like entrepreneurial uh, ventures outside of the Success Academy that Perhaps. are, you know, even like whether it's entrepreneurial or not, but at least at the school level, at the district level, more empowerment to have have some intentionality around what you're delivering there where like frequently the larger bureaucracies uh and complexities of a large public school system for example can be disempowering in a way that a success academy uh really may not be um i I think that's right i know you have a hard stop uh robert uh pondicio uh sounds like he's comfortable even if you you hate his book but it is (laughs) it's certainly a provocative one it's a it's a topic that we're going to want to continue to uh explore really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show and and writing the book uh if folks want to learn more about you uh find the book my last name pondicio is unusual so if you google robert pondicio i'm gonna pop right to the top of your google search or just search uh how the other half learns I'm, i'm not hard to find Thank you.